Welcome to the Wealth Equation Podcast with me, Wealth Ninja, Kristen Wunsch. If you want to be wealthy, but money feels like physics and the thought of making a budget makes you want to die, stick around. Here, we break it all down super simply. We demystify wealth so you run your money instead of your money running you. We're here to ditch the hustle, earn more, hold more, and grow more simply. We're coming in hot with practical teachings, deep mindset shifts, and the perfect amount of woo-woo so that you become the kind of woman who creates wealth with ease. Money is a dance party if you let it be. You were born for wealth, and by pressing play, your up-level begins. Hello, beautiful humans, and I'm here with the bold, beautiful Gina Swire. Gina is an international self-love expert, mentor, and manifesting queen. She spent over half a decade empowering women all across the world to flip the script on self-doubt. Featured in Vogue, Cosmopolitan, Stylist, with viral articles on many online publications, and interviewed on American talk shows, Gina's on a mission to empower a billion women to fall deeply in love with themselves and get everything they want in life, and that includes you. After struggling with her own self-worth and image issues, Gina quit her career as a plus-size model at the height of her career in order to embark on her journey of transformation. She now travels the world leading workshops, hosting retreats, coaching private clients and speaking on stages from Burning Man to Bali. Her number one best-selling book, P.S. I Love Me, is available worldwide in print and audiobook. Learn more about Gina and become part of the self-love movement at ginaswire.com. And remember, with self-love, anything is possible. Oh, so good. Welcome, Gina. It's amazing to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Mm, that's quite the intro. You've just done so much. I I would love for you to take us back to, you know, we're here to talk about money and you've obviously done incredible things around not just money, but being a leader for women. And I want you to take us back to where your journey kind of started, like started out with money and wealth, like back to childhood as you were growing up and what things looked like back then. Yeah, great question. So I grew up in a family where on my dad's side of the family, they are fairly wealthy and, you know, have have a lot of money. And on my mum's side of the family, they didn't have as much money. And yet when I've done all my money work and looked back at all these things, I realized that both sides of my family were very generous So there was never like a lack of money, although I did kind of get to see different angles. And um, yeah, at the age of eight years old, well, until eight years old, I went to a private school. I had a pony. um, You know, we went on multiple holiday, gorgeous holidays per year. We had a few different cars and we lived in a gorgeous house and all of that. And then my dad left And when my dad left, that altered everything. Um, My mum, I guess, went into kind of scarcity of like, we don't have enough. And I'm not sure if if it was the case that we didn't have enough, but it was definitely felt like we didn't have enough and everything had to change. And so I had to, um, I don't know, we all had to change our patterns and we had to watch what we spend and watch what we eat and all these different things. And I think at that point, I made a contract with the universe that I was never going to be in this position again. I was always going to have my own money. I was always going to make my own money. And that's really what I did. 
So from a very young age, I had a few different jobs. I was always super like entrepreneurial, thinking of ways to make money. And even at sort of early, early teenager, I had a bait. Oh, sorry, I don't know why my alarm's going off. Um, 11, 11. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Oh, let me just check that it's not in the middle again. No, it's not. Um, yeah, so even as an early teenager, I had my own babysitting enterprise and I used to have different friends um, babysitting different families and then I would kind of like take a commission. And um, yeah, so I was always very entrepreneurial, made my own money. And then at sort of late teenage years started to model and that was also it was an interesting one because I've never ever had a salary in my whole life I've never had like a typical job or a nine to five I've always made my own money and it's always come in kind of like with in sort of waves I would say so you know cash flow was not always my was not always easy um, and yet potential was massive, like in modeling, the potential was massive. Whereas in a nine to five, I think, you know, you know what you're going to make and that's kind of it, but it's more stable. So it was unstable, but m- massive potential. And yeah, as I've gone on, it has got more and more, you know, with my business, um, I well actually take just to fill in one little blank there. I quit modeling at 30 years old and that was right at the the height of my career when I was making lots of money and I had I think I had a sole desire to be poor you know to like actually experience not having money and see what what love really is and uh yeah at that point I went and lived in India and um lived off the land and was a barefoot hippie and it was great <laughs> uh yeah and then since then I have been building up to um a seven-figure business so that's kind of my path incredible so when you were you mentioned when you were 30 you decided to you know just completely change director direction and you wanted to experience what it was like to live life without money. Why did you, why do you think you wanted that? Yeah, well, it's a lot of layers. I had been modeling for many years and I'd had an awakening. And after that awakening, modeling just wasn't it anymore. I was out of alignment and I was numbing out because I didn't have the tools. I didn't actually get into personal development until around 30 after this process and I just, I just felt rubbish. I was doing a job I didn't really want to do anymore. All of a sudden, I was partying like a maniac. <laughs> I was numbing <laughs> out as much as possible. I was also binge eating. And I was just, I just felt out of alignment, really. And um, so I think in my kind of like less conscious mind, or as I was becoming more conscious, I made the assumption that money doesn't bring happiness. Money doesn't bring happiness. Modeling doesn't bring happiness. That lifestyle, everything that I was doing, that isn't it. So I need to go the complete opposite way. And so I actually went vegan at that time. I quit alcohol. I went celibate. I stripped away my job um, and money. Like I just kind of rejected consumerism. I gave away all my designer clothes and bags. 
And I just really wanted to go to, I wanted to go to like absolutely nothing. And that's really what I did. It was like a stripping away process. Mm. And what did you learn in that process? I learned that love comes from within and I'd been looking for love in all the, all of the wrong places. I'd been outsourcing my power and my love to men, to my agent, to my clients, to um, what I looked like, uh, to money, you know, to all these things. I'd been really outsourcing my power. And in that time, that's when I got my initial, what I now call self-love codes. That's what I wrote my book about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I really got to discover that love is an infinite well that comes from within um, initially. So yeah, that was really a really potent time. Mm, sounds very powerful and such a reflection of, you know, we tend to think, and it's so, I think it's, it's a bit of a dichotomy, right? In this industry where it's really incredible for women to step into really powerful and big levels of wealth. And also the idea that we need money or that money is going to make us feel a certain way or that, you know, the more money you earn, the happier you are, I think is, is something that's really important for us all to remember. It's like money just makes you more of who you are. And so it's, it's the byproduct of you, you know, really grounding into your own self-worth from within, it sounds like. And absolutely, such a reflection of that. Can you take us back to, you know, when you mentioned modeling, and I think this is so common for entrepreneurs, not just modeling, but somebody running a business in general where you don't have a stable nine to five or you're, you know, maybe you're freelancing or you're just in an industry where money isn't necessarily consistent because you're not getting a paycheck. How do you, it sounds like you always had that, you know, that experience because you didn't have a nine to five. How did you deepen into that self-trust into that, you know, with the cash flow waves that you mentioned, how did you begin to trust that money was always coming in when you couldn't necessarily see it yeah. for certain? Great question. Well, it's interesting because that's all I've ever known. Um, I just have learned from the very start that, well, actually, you know what, here it is. My nana who is now 93, I think, or 94, um, she taught me a lot of great beliefs about money. And she she's a wealthy woman. She comes from a wealthy background. She's never really, you know, never had to worry about money in her life and always been really good with money as well. And she taught me as a little kid that um, there's always more money. There's that I will never have to struggle. Our family has all this money. And I actually did, I still don't fully know the truth of that, but I believed that as a little child that there's always more money. Money's easy to make. It just comes to you. Our family's got money. You know, who knows if that is the actual truth, but it became my truth and I lived from that place. And as I've done my deep dives on money, which I've been exploring this topic for many, many years and worked with many different money coaches and dissected all of this. And I get to see how, um, yeah, those initial beliefs really, I really believed her. 
And mm. I still believe that, you know, so I'm really grateful for that. And I recommend to anyone listening, if they've got children to tell them these things, you know, money, there's always more money, money will always come to you. It's free flowing. It, there's there's always money to be made. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, actually, yeah. Sorry. No, keep going. Yeah. So actually going into my teenage years and starting to make my own money, sometimes I didn't have the actual money that I wanted. And I, I tell this story sometimes my, my, I wanted a Furby, you know, those cute little <laughs> fluffy things. I wanted a Furby and my mum said I couldn't have it. And, um, it was six pounds 50 at the time. And I remember saying to my mum, I'm going to get it. And she was like, well, you can save up your money. And I was like, right, I will. So at that time, I used to get 50 pence of pocket money a week, which would have taken me 13 weeks to get it. But I was a determined little kid. And I was like, I am having that Furby and I'm having it soon. And I just manifested the money. Like the money just came to me. And I got to learn that money comes to me when I want it. And that was another belief that I really set in. So I personally think I had layers of trust with money right from the start. And I, because of my determination and entrepreneurial spirit as a child, I just got to see, I got proof that money money wants to give me the things I want. And so at about 20 years old, when I learned about manifesting and the laws of attraction, it was just like coming home. It was just like, yeah, yeah, I've been doing this all along. This is right. You know, and I realized I'd already been manifesting in that way my whole life. And I got to amp it up massively. And manifestation is it for money, in my opinion. Mm. Isn't it interesting that, you know, you've mentioned a few beliefs that you picked up in your, you know, your younger years. And my, one of my philosophies or one of my beliefs is that there, there is no absolute truth. It's just whatever you decide to believe, right? Is it true that money always comes to you or is it not true, right? Well, if you decide to believe that, then it's powerful because you can create anything you want. So it sounds like, you know, between your Nana and, you know, some of the other things in your upbringing, you created some really powerful beliefs in those early days. Money always comes to me. Um, and there is always, you know, always a flow of money. And it sounds like, you know, especially with you being entrepreneurial or creating that so early on, you develop the belief that I can create money, that I can create things that will bring more money to me. So were there any, were there any other beliefs that you would have picked up or that you recognized, you know, in your later work that you picked up from those early days that weren't so powerful, that weren't supportive, that you had to do work to, to rewire? Mm. Well, making money has always been easy for me. And then there we go. I'm off. I'm off again on another belief. Making money has always been easy for me. And yet um, saving money, keeping money and growing wealth, I didn't have as many beliefs around. And so that has been a practice of basically taking the same energy and certainty of the beliefs around making money and applying it to wealth creation. And that has been a challenge, you know, that's where, that was my edge. And yet that now is all in place and doing really well. Um, mm. Yeah. So, so, so important to, to really touch on that. I, 
And that is one thing that many women struggle with because we're not, you know, we're not taught necessarily how to manage money or how to invest and women are encouraged in the same way. So it's super, super common that, you know, women can be really great at making money and they don't feel as confident or comfortable or safe holding it and growing it. Uh, So thank you for sharing that. What were some of the things that you did? You know, if that was your work in later Mm -hmm. years, what were some of the things that you really did to, you said things are really set up now for you. What specifically got you to the place where you're like, I'm, I'm as amazing at holding my money and and keeping it as I am at, at manifesting it. Well, there you go. You just said it right there. I'm amazing at holding and keeping my money as I am at manifesting it. It was basically that, creating new belief patterns. And also for me, having conversations with expander people, people who expand me, um, about what they do with their money and just really getting confident at, you know, talking about it. And I think now in the in the circles that I'm in, talking about making money is very normal. And yet talking about what we do with our money and how we contribute and how we, you know, invest and how we multiply our money, those conversations in my circles are happening way less. And actually this weekend, I've been away on a girls weekend in, in Lake Tahoe. And this is one of the questions I asked, and we ended up having a really interesting conversation about it. And yeah, I think, you know, talking about what we contribute, why we want to make our money, if we can't do it for ourselves, not if in inverted commas, if we can't do it for ourselves, or we don't want to do it for ourselves, then who will we do it for? Will we do it for our family? Will we do it for our um future children will we do it for the planet will we do it for great causes you know and it opened up a really really powerful and beautiful conversation that really changed the game for us all Mm, I couldn't agree more and I think those conversations you know the the difference between making money and creating wealth is a very important distinction and I think those are conversations we all need to be having more of so i Absolutely love that. Can you, if you think about the what you just described there around expanders, maybe not necessarily the conversations from this weekend, but anything you've had in the past, expansive conversations with people where you ask them or you start talking about what they do with their money to grow it. What have been some of the, or maybe one conversation that kind of sticks out for you around something that was a really uh, powerful insight or takeaway? Mm, yeah well recently because crypto scares me I do have some crypto and yet I don't have all the full beliefs in place to I don't know whether that is my path with money my path has always been buying property in full and you know owning property and renting it out some of it and buying and selling that kind of thing that has always been I guess that's what my family always did So for me, that is very safe. And even though now in the way we can leverage money, we could I could be leveraging that money probably better. And yet it feels really good and safe for me. And it's a great way for me to put my money in, in good places, you know? So recently I've been speaking to people that are investing in startups. And I was speaking to someone the other day who's been doing this really successfully. And he was saying that he 
will choose five startups to invest in. And he kind of knows that one of those five is going to go big and some of them won't. And that's been his strategy. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. Because, you know, you get to pick like the frequency of startup you want to invest in and the people and the mission and, you know, the mission flowing through these people. So that feels really exciting to me. Mm, that's so good. I That's, it's a really, um, really powerful thing to touch on is, you know, women, when it comes to investing, you've mentioned a few things here around, you know, causes that you're supporting that you were talking about with some of your girlfriends and investing in startups or investing in crypto or even investing in, you know, the stock market. We get to invest in the causes and the places and the companies and the things that we're aligned with, right? The things that we support and we get to see our money grow by supporting the the things that we want to see grow. And so I think that's for women, especially that really mission-led, that values-led aspect of what you can do with investing. You don't just make money, right? You get to actually support the things that are important to you and the impact you want to see in the world. So that's so beautiful. Absolutely. And I do think like this has been a big piece of my money expansion this year um, is down to this one phrase, which is, you know, because with upper limits and self-sabotage and, you know, all the things that we do to sabotage our wealth and growth and all all the things, uh, well, that most people do, I feel that really knowing why you're doing it that's bigger than you, bigger than me, is the is the key to my expansion this year. And I was telling the girls a story. I've, I rarely talk about this, but I didn't realize that my best friends didn't know this. But when a few years ago, when I first started my business, I, um, I really wanted my mom to retire early from work. And she kind of the age that people retire in England shifted and her best friend got to retire basically three years early, earlier than her because she was like three months older or younger. I can't remember which way. And my mum just missed the cutoff. So she had to work for like another three years. And um, so I had this idea or this desire that I wanted to pay for her to leave early and give her the money that she would make from a salary and when I added up what that would be, um, I I just put it out to the universe, like, this is what I want to do. And I actually made that money within about six weeks. And it's a, just a reminder that money wants to know where it's going, you know. And when when I've got something that is really heart-led that the money is going to, it's so easy for me to make that money. You know, when when I'm just making money and I don't know where it's going, it's a totally different frequency to that. And yeah, so I just wanted to mention that if anyone's listening and they're like, maybe at an upper limit or plateauing in their income or, you know, just looking for ways to make more money. Think about the people that you can help with that money. Think about like the beautiful causes Um you know, I look after a family in, in Bali that have been really good to me when I used to live there and just like get into um, send big chunks of money to people that we love is such a great reason to make more. 
Mm, yeah. And for women who don't feel as confident just doing it for them, or they they think that there's, you know, there's some blocks in the way around just wanting to earn more just for themselves, which we all, you know, we all deserve because money and wealth is abundant. I think that's, you know, connecting to the, the greater purpose, the mission behind it, the, the causes can be really, Absolutely. really potent. So you yeah. have some interesting money strategies or interesting practices. Can you share maybe one or two of them you mentioned mm. uh, before with yeah. the audience? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love Feng Shui. Um, mm-hmm. One of my mentors is a Feng Shui master. And so she's really instilled a lot of Feng Shui goodness into me. And one of my favorite things to do is to create a money corner in our um, abundance area of the home, which is traditionally the southeast corner. So you can, on if you've got a, a, an iPhone, I think you can do it on all phones. If you take out the compass, you can figure out which way is southeast and create a money altar, which is so fun to do. And I like to have... Um, a mirror with like a heart-shaped bowl with coins of all different currencies overflowing onto the mirror. And it's basically symbolic of like money is always overflowing and then it's it's doubling, you know, on the mirror. Uh, Mm. So that's a really fun thing that you can do. And um, other things, there's like Lucky Jade plant um, that's like the money plant. Anything that feels abundant, like, whatever is abundant to you it doesn't have to be expensive but maybe it's like a gorgeous fancy candle or a I always put like I always buy Chanel sunglasses because I really like the lenses and I always put the box underneath because that at one time was like my sign of abundance so I always have my Chanel sunglass box beneath it and um I often just take out money in different currencies and put like wads of money on my money altar and every time I look at it or anytime anyone comes to my house guess what they're talking about they're like wow what is this this is amazing I'm like it's my abundance corner and they're like how do you make that and it's always like a a high vibe talking point and it's just a reminder that money is all around us so I love doing that Mm, so good like a visual reminder and also dropping you into the feeling of what it feels like to be abundant you know constantly that's so so good I know people are gonna love that Tell me about you. You have another interesting practice around DOM sub dynamics with money. Tell me more about yes. that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is a fun one. And this actually <laughs> came from, I was doing like a, well, me and a friend of mine were in the dead of winter in England last year. And we were both going through a really challenging time and we met up and we decided we were going to do create this big altar and do this like sexy money worshipping um, ritual, as you do, as you do. So we're there <laughs> in all our sexy lingerie and our red lipstick and we've got all these roses and um, money everywhere and we've got all this amazing music on. And um, we kind of, we just went into it and we were just going to intuit this ritual so we start off and I thought you know we were going to be setting goals and you know basically telling money what we wanted it to do and I got this download that really 
floored me literally that was like Gina you've been trying to dom me as in money for so long by telling me what to do telling me there's not enough like telling me I should do better next time and actually money I want to dom you you're going to be a good little sub and you're going to get on your hands and knees and you're going to be grateful and you're going to thank me and you're going to be like (laughs) yeah and it was so so fun it was so fun and I took out my journal and um I wrote this whole thing like channeled from money about how money you know is basically my dom um so I it was so good and I made so much money the following month from every day praying at the foot of my money altar it was like I was on my hands and knees every day for like ages and so I created a workshop out of it and um basically got people to like do kind of like an aspecting thing with money where money becomes a person and you discuss things with money and then it it basically tells you if it wants to be a dom or a sub Mm. and um yeah and so everyone's like oh my god money wants to dom me or you know and then I have people do a practice after it of like letting money do what it wants to you so that's so so juicy so when you did that those practices or channeled that through does money always want to be the dom or did you play with both both aspects of both, it both both oh. well I am a switch uh, naturally like in my own sexuality I like to switch and I'm like money is an aspect of me so I'm like of course money's a switch um yeah so it was just really fun to let money do whatever it wants and um yeah it was really powerful as well because ultimately money is like a neutral power I believe And yet we can have it become whatever we want or whatever it wants. So I just think it's a really powerful thing because also sometimes I think of money as feminine, Um, you know, like latch me just more and more and more. And then sometimes I feel like money is actually a masculine presence and um, a bit like, you know, it's like the the sugar daddy like money is my sugar daddy or the universe is my (laughs) sugar daddy or God is my sugar daddy. And it's like, God is just providing for me. And that was a big switch as well, because for many years as an entrepreneur and a lot of times single and a lot of times, um, you know, making all the money myself and paying for everything myself and having this extraordinary lifestyle, but doing it all myself. And sometimes I'd be like, oh, why can't a man just pay for me? And then I got this download and I was like, oh, I'm always being provided for by God, you know? Mm -hmm. So either, and it's funny because that actually created a massive switch in my relationships with men wanting to provide for me because it was almost like I had this desire that I didn't want to share with men because I needed to be this like really independent woman. Um, And then once I realized like, oh, none of us are independent. We're all being provided for by God. I was like, oh yeah, there we go. And it shifted and now men love to provide for me. Wow. Incredible. (laughs) Can you tell me, I would love to ask you about dating and money because, you know, I think some women feel in this, a bit of a weird dynamic if they're the ones that 
earn more or, you know, a, a woman that's actually earning quite a bit of money, it can, a few things can come up. And so I would love to know, you know, you've kind of touched on a few things there, but how do you, how do you navigate that, the oh. topic of money when it comes to dating? Yeah, this has been, yeah, this has been a big one. Um, and so mo- a lot of the men that I've dated, I've had more, way more money than than them. And that has become a challenge because, you know, I have this lifestyle and I'm like, I want the best of everything. And then they're like, well, um, you know, I I don't want to pay that much for this house in Bali or something. And I'm like, uh, well, obviously we're gonna get it anyway. So I'll just I'll just get it. Um, and I am very generous. Like I love, I love to be generous with people. And so it's, it used to be very much like, I'll just get it. I'll just get it. I'll just get it. And then, you know, it did create a bit of a shift in the dynamic or the polarity of the relationship in terms of like, I found that my ex was doing a lot of cooking and a lot of cleaning and I was like out making all the money and buying things and and I was like ah I don't mind this but it's not my like heart's desire um Mm -hmm. so I've done a lot of work around this and honestly I think the main thing with this is communication of just like okay i i now feel that this is happening and that's not my desire my desire is this like how can we move towards it mm-hmm. and absolutely having money conversations right from the start in terms of you know right from the first date being like oh. cuz it does make it can make me feel awkward if i don't name it you know if if it gets to the end of a date and it's like well who's paying um and I can I can definitely feel that energy. And so for me, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to name that I feel a bit awkward at the end of dates because I don't know who's paying. And it'd be great if we could just have an open conversation about it, you know, and then we have an open conversation about it and we share our desires and we see if it's aligned. And so doing that right from the start, I think is the key. Oh, Gina, that's fucking incredible. I love the just the openness and honesty around that money conversations can be something that we tend to really shy away from, but even the way that you just created that and and shared that it, it just feels like it feels expansive and normal. And, you know, why wouldn't you talk about it? Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. And uh, we do need to give ourselves just like a little bit of slack because, you know, as women, it, I don't know exactly the figures, but it's probably, you know, it's not even a hundred years since women have had bank accounts or probably anyone's had bank accounts, you know? And like for women, this is really the first generation, maybe a very small percentage of the generation above us that did have access to the things we have. And, you know, some of my clients, they've only just got the right to drive in Saudi Arabia. And there's so many things that women came later to and we're just the first real generation of figuring it all out and so it's no surprise that we're having these struggles these questions and so I think just naming that to anyone listening and just saying you know we're just figuring it out we're pioneers of this money women empowerment thing Mm. yeah 
Oh, thank you so much, Gina. This was so, so juicy. And I know such an expansive conversation for all of the women listening and just really normalizing all of the things that we had talked about, normalizing wherever you're at with money as a woman that you get to, that it's such a, an evolution and a journey and always more stages of growth. So beautiful. So we're going to link all of your, all the links in the show notes for where people can find you. But is there anything else you want to share with those people listening? I'll leave you with one final juicy money belief. Mm. So my favorite new money belief is money is sexually attracted to me. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's so fun. So good. So good. Everyone's going to love this. So thank you so much for everyone listening at home. We will see you next week. And remember, you were born for wealth. Love that. Thank you. It's a gift to vibe with you here every week. If you're digging the content, I would be honored if you'd leave a rating, a review, and subscribe to the show. Not just for me, but it's how women just like you find the pod. It truly is how we can all make an impact. More women being ridiculously fucking wealthy and building a life of their wildest dreams. 